Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. Sad time for all these people. And it's always a good-hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM Morning, morning. Another Monday, another week, and another day of trying to figure out what the hell were they doing with money in RTE. More importantly than that, what the hell were they doing with our money in RTE? Because I've spent since got out of here Friday... I've spent the whole weekend trying to figure out what exactly was going on, who was pushing cash around, where the cash was being pushed from and to. And in the middle of all this, as Ian Guider, the business journalist, told us on Friday, no crimes were being committed here. There's no question of anything being illegal or or not above board. What the hell was going on with all the money? It was moving around like... Like nobody's business. Over and back, invoices here, receipts there. What the hell was... And all to keep Ryan Tuberty highly paid. Very, very highly paid. Look, he's as highly paid as his agent can negotiate for him. But very, very, very highly paid. Like, where was he going to go? There was a big question someone asked me this. I was out socially Saturday night and someone asked me that question. Where was he going to go? Who in Ireland was going to match the kind of money he was on. So where was he going to go? And if they said to him, Ryan, it's that, or take take it or leave it, where's he going to go? Um, but those are all the questions that I, I don't know if we'll ever know the answer. One thing for sure is we certainly won't know the answer to why D Forbes signed off on all of this. I was listening to one interview Friday with a former member of the RT executive board and he was pressed, really, Willie O'Reilly, he was pressed a little bit on just exactly who had the final say, the final stamp, the final sign-off on these kind of deals. It would be the DG of the day, Director General of the day, who in this case, D Forbes, a Cork woman. We learned on Friday she had been suspended they couldn't tell us on Thursday because they had to get... And that I understand. She was suspended Wednesday, 
The story broke Thursday. It had grown into a monster by Friday. We couldn't be told she was suspended because they had to go and get that legally checked out with their people. And that's okay. We'll buy that one. We'll buy that one. You can't just tell the whole world the person has been suspended without taking legal advice on it. Now, this morning, we learn she has resigned with immediate effect. She issued a statement a few minutes before 8 o'clock this morning. She said she's the person ultimately accountable for what happens in the organisation. She said she's sorry for what's happened and for her part in it. And she's apologised unreservedly to everyone. Now, she also has a puck at the RTE board. She says they've not treated her with anything approaching the levels of fairness, equity and respect that anyone should expect as an employee, a colleague or a person. That's obviously between her and the board. There's no love lost there on this morning. But it is the latest twist in a developing story which has been followed by all of the newspapers. Uh, but very few of them, I think, with the, with the diligence of The Independent since since it broke Thursday in particular, uh, with uh, Fiona on Sheehan, who has been speaking out very strongly about this and digging deeper into it to see just where are we going. Fiona on the latest twist this morning, the resignation of D Forbes with immediate effect. This, this story just keeps on giving. Good morning. Yeah, PJ, I mean, the, the, the story continues to escalate. I mean, the, the point here is that this is licence fee payers' uh, money. Uh, it, it, RTE uh, is not a private company that it can be, that can behave as it pleases. Uh, it is supposed to op- operate uh, in, a, in a climate of, of openness, integrity and accountability. That hasn't happened here and the explanations that are even emerging now this morning of how these payments to Ryan Tuberty uh, I'm not going to call them extra, I'm going to call them undeclared because it was the the public uh, to whom they were not not declared, just get increasingly uh, bizarre there doesn't really seem to be a kind of a satisfactory explanation for from anybody in RTE about about how this this came about. So what we know uh, this morning is that D Forbes, the suspended director general uh, of RTE, effectively the chief executive of the company, has now resigned in immediate effect, and that's ahead of uh, two Oireachtas committee hearings that were due this week, to which. The politicians were obviously going to demand that that she appear, but mm. I, I just can't see that happening now. She's not only suspended, she's actually left uh, the role, given the previous history of Oireachtas committees inviting in people. Uh, I, I don't see Dee Forbes in any way attending uh, these hearings later on this week. She's now effectively Dee Forbes' private citizen. She can't be compelled. Yeah, she can't, and and you know they have a difficulty with compelability. They have a difficulty with, with treatment of, of 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 witnesses. They would need to engage in a long uh, and elaborate uh, legal process now in order to get D Forbes to appear. So the explanation won't be coming from D Forbes. However, there are, she does say in her statement that there were other people uh, in RT who were across this. So perhaps they will get some adequate. Uh, explanation uh, there. So her explanation basically seems to be we were negotiating a new contract with with Ryan Tuberty. There were existing contractual obligations there. We were trying to bring about a, about a cut to the stars pay 
uh, and also keep him on board. So we came up uh, with with this process whereby he'd do a few gigs for a commercial partner, and he would be paid a sum of money, and we'd discount that back to the to, to the mm. uh, to the commercial partner. But I mean the the. the the hill between the hill and the real. The bottom line is yes, and and this was kept secret uh, from the public to whom and the national parliament to whom RT were saying this is the amount of money that Ryan Tuberty is being paid out of license fee fee payers money. So there's no explanation from D Forbes about that. She she is quite critical of of the way she's been treated by by the by the RT board and said that this has had an impact uh, on her health. So I would think that's probably the last we're going to hear from from D Forbes on this. So the substantial questions that remain about how this uh, and why this arrangement was put in place and why it was kept uh, a secret uh, from the public and and the parliament is going to have to be something that's that's addressed yeah. by personnel who were not directly involved. It it certainly though the the Forbes her statement though does shed a bit more light and certainly puts the spotlight back on on Ryan Tuberty uh, and his agent, whose explanation initially last week was, oh, this is all to do with RTE accounting, yeah. nothing to do with us. Now it would seem well, maybe so, guys. But you're you're certainly aware uh, of the detail behind these payments. Ryan Tuberty then subsequently comes out and apologises for not questioning why uh, figures that were being published uh, quite openly did not match what it was that that he was being paid. So there's certain, I, I I really don't see Ryan Tuberty appearing before an Oireachtas committee, but there's certainly a, a lot more information uh, available if he chooses uh, to come forward and do an interview and be held accountable, which is what. The organisation that he works for uh, does demands uh, on a regular on a regular basis. But also, probably the biggest thing for Artino at the moment, uh, in terms of their longer term future beyond this controversy, is that any decision uh, on the restructuring of the licence fee and RTE's finances uh, has now been parked. And now that's a that's a biggie. I mean, this is going to result in basically meaning that the 345 grand paid to Ryan Tuberty is going to be a very expensive outlay here because apart from the, the reputational uh, credibility and trust damage that has happened here, it's now going to mean that the, the question mark will continue to remain over RTE's finances. And that is wrapped up in well, politics as well. Sean, on, on Friday, my, my listeners were calling here saying, I'm ne- not paying my licence fee again. I'm never paying a licence fee again. We learned of the massive amount of money that comes in from the licence fee. What's the relevance of how it's spent anymore? Do we need concert orchestras? Do we need all these things? And do we need the taxpayer paying for them? I think there there is very much uh, a, a rationale behind the, the, the licence fee. It's, it's well established here uh, and in other countries. There are things that, that it will pay for that otherwise would not happen, such as ensuring that you do have news, cultural, children's output, and so on, that otherwise wouldn't happen, that, that you're you're not going to get the, the commercial uh, broadcasters uh, engaging in because cause they will say, well, look, you know, advertisers aren't, aren't all that interested mm. in this, so therefore we're, we're, we're not going to do it. So, yeah, there is a, a, a rationale for that. The, the difficulty, I suppose, now that RTE have is, and, and government has, is that you were already seeing that 10,000 people were brought to court last year for not paying the licence fee uh, because it, it is the law. Now, if there's uh, a more widespread 
uh, attitude uh, amongst members of the public that they don't see why they should pay their licence fee if basically RTE isn't keeping it up its side uh, of the bargain. Then then that creates an, addif- an additional difficulty for RTE in terms of, of its finances. There is a social contract here, ultimately, PJ. You pay your 160 quid. In return, we are expected to be provided with, with uh, a, a level of, of service mm-hmm. uh, to, to the nation. Uh, trust being a central part of that. Th- that trust is now obliterated because basically we've been told that RT has been lying to us for the last seven years. You've been digging into this all weekend. Is Ryan Tuberty the only one? And if he is, will we find out? We're, we're being told that an initial review of the, the, the top ten current earners has found that there uh, are no uh, additional uh, payments uh, at the moment however historically we don't know if that, if that is if that is the case so uh, it'll now be the case that RT are going to have to dig back uh, in time and give people a, a full picture a review being undertaken by Grant Thornton the uh, the accountancy firm and they will come back and ultimately will will be told then at at that point that that there were or weren't uh, similar payments. There's a curiosity there in terms of seeing right was it was anybody else getting a top up payment here that nobody knew uh, about that wasn't being declared and if it was being done for one star was it been done for another. Now having said that, it may well be the case that that he was the only one. And do you think? If you were Mr. Patrick Kilty, would you be considering your options at this stage, Fiona? Well, uh, he was. There was an attempt to ask him about this la- issue last night, and he just cracked a joke. So, you know, the, the people who are paying the hundred and sixty quid are going to be paying uh, his salary. So maybe he needs to be a bit more respectful to them and everything can't be just laughed off because he's he's a comedian this is a very serious issue uh, questions will now be asked oh, what's his salary this is licence fee payers money and do you believe we're entitled to know that before he sets foot onto the set of studio well, I, th- I, I think all bets are off now uh, maybe under the previous rules uh, of of engagement, RT could say, "Oh well, we we publish uh, we publish our figures uh, in line with with protocols that are set down." So you'll find out in two years' time what he's been paid. They lied, so no, th- there's no reason to trust RT anymore here now. So you know, answers are going to need questions are going to be need to be asked and answered a lot more swiftly by RT. Fiona, thank you very much. Thanks, Peter. Cheers, uh, Fiona Sheehan from the Irish Indo. Actually, the Mail on Sunday had a poll yesterday, very quickly conducted on Friday, with uh, a thousand people asked a number of questions using their usual panel. And they asked about Patrick Keelty's salary. And they asked the question, should RTE, in the interests of transparency, now publish how much Patrick Keelty will be getting paid for the Late Late Show? And I don't mind telling you, 91% of people that they asked said, yeah, absolutely. And as Fionan made the point there, that's our money he's being paid. And we now know that Ryan Tuberty was being paid an awful lot more than we were being told he was being paid. And there was money being pushed around and slid around the place. So, yeah, before Patrick Hilty sets foot on the set of The Late Late Show, I think we're entitled to know what he's going to be paid. 
do you? Let me know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox ninety six FM. Question ten: What chess piece moves first? The pawn. So you actually got nine out of ten. I'm delighted. I know. And then the one that you obviously had doubts about, uh, what chess piece moves first, the correct answer, unfortunately, is pawn. You've just won 2,000 euros! Why you defibrillator now? <laughs> I know, I know. Now that I've won the two grand, everything is great. Lads, you've made my day and oh. my daughter. We're just over the moon. Congratulations. Yeah. Well done. Thanks for right. Stacking up the cash. Yes. Cash. With two grand a minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Bye. 96 FM. Some of the other questions asked in that Mail on Sunday poll, should Ryan Tuberty have corrected the record himself? 75% of people asked said yes he should, he absolutely should. Should payment of the licence now be made optional rather than compulsory under the law? That was a 63% yes, 25% no, and the rest were don't knows. Are you less likely to listen to or watch RTE programmes with Ryan Tuberty in light of the revelations? That was kind of all over the place. 40% said they didn't watch or listen to Ryan Tuberty. No, 24% yes, 32 I was reading one column over the weekend in one newspaper where it said that Ryan Tuberty's days at RTE may be over. He isn't doing his radio show this week. Um... In, in light of the current controversy, but I read in one newspaper article at the weekend that people may refuse to work with him now because they feel that his credibility and the, of, uh, and the credibility of his team being connected to him now could damage your own credibility and your own reputation. It's, it's just, it's like, let's remind ourselves again. The government was told by RTE in its annual report, that he was being paid €440,000 a year. He was, in fact, being paid €515,000 a year. The the difference between being 75000 which was being made up in all sorts of strange and bizarre ways. And one of them being this deal with Renault, and then Renault pulled out of that deal, so they decided to write it off another way, and... Noel Kelly, Tuberty's agent, who collects fees on his behalf, was told to invoice this place and put it down to that. It all got very, very murky. And it means, really, that trust, trust is banjaxed. If you, if you haven't got trust, you haven't got anything. Like, there was a... I, I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word because using it wrongly can land you in trouble in this business. There was a blatant lie put into an annual report to the government. The annual report that RTE is required to present to the government, which must be signed off around the cabinet table, there was a blatant lie put into that report. Now, it would have been the case that D. Forbes, the Director General, uh, would have been the one 
who had the last sight of that report before it went to the government or she would have been one of the last half a dozen pairs of eyes to see it anyway. So she would have known that that figure was false. I imagine that the Oireachtas Committee would have loved to ask her about that. She won't be coming in now. She's resigned this morning with immediate effect. That's the latest news in case you missed it. Dee Forbes, who of course is a Cork woman. I think her parents are from Douglas. I'm Cork, strong Cork connections anyway. Resigned this morning as Director General of RT with immediate effect. We just heard from Fiona and she and it now means that the chances of her appearing before an Oireachtas committee are virtually zilch. But another person who's been writing about this over the weekend is Alison O'Connor of the Sunday Times. And Alison, I'll start with you on that one. We have been told, have we not, a blatant lie and the public the government was told a blatant lie in RTE's annual report. Is there any coming back from this? Good morning. Well, good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, at the right at this moment, it's very difficult to see a way back from, from what has gone on. And I suppose reading D Forbes' statement, and by the way, just to say to you, D Forbes is a proud Dream League woman. Is she? Um, she is indeed uh, very close to Bantry, um, of which I am a, a proud daughter of. Oh, I'm aware um, of your Bantry connections. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, there's a big difference between Cork City and West Cork. Indeed. So I just thought I might uh, I, I might clarify that for you. Um, I suppose reading reading the the, the quite lengthy statement here, um, and she's giving some context to that very good story that that John Mooney and Bo Donnelly had in the Sunday Times yesterday. First, getting into sort of how this deal, how this deal actually happened, uh, and and what Ryan Tuberty's agent was told to do in terms of invoices and all of that. And there's an interesting line in it where she says that she she did lead the discussions uh, with Ryan Tuberty's agent together with other RTE senior executives. Um, so making clear there, you know that there were there were there was more than her more than herself involved. And you, your question gets right at the I suppose this sense of the breach of trust that that people feel that how can you publish these sums the the top ten um, uh, as they were called the talent in RTE and that uh, a number of people would have known Ryan Tuberty, his agent D Forbes, the people who negotiated that that figure was incorrect, was very significantly understated. Mm-hmm. Have it published, and as you say, uh, appearing before Iraqis committees, etc., and allowing that to go uncorrected. Um, I suppose it depends on where you stand and how strongly you feel as to how far you go in your in your description of that. But regardless, it has caused an enormous amount of damage to, to RTE, which was already in trouble. And the the concern for me is that um like if you look at RTE at the moment, it's the it's all it's it's our colleagues, PJ. Mm. who are running the place, who are doing a magnificent job, despite sort of leadership running around like headless chickens, who over the last few days have been producing excellent quality programs, asking the questions, maybe not always getting the answers. And that's in many ways what's been wrong with RT. We've heard a couple of, of um, heard Colwell Mungon saying on Friday that, you know, you're, as a staff member, you could be going on a trip somewhere and you'd be hearing back, well, why can't you get a cheaper hotel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or do you need that many newspapers for that programme team? <coughs> Excuse me. I heard Ono Brin, the Sinn Féin TD, over the weekend saying that someone in RTE told him, a member of a programme team, that they would be asked, uh, "Did you do you really need a bottle of water for each guest? 
Now, you can imagine that if that's what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and you realise that this is what is going on in the upper echelons. And it was very telling for me when RT confirmed over the weekend that the chief financial officer did not know about this deal with Ryan Tuberty. It shows a laxity and it shows why there's a need for a root and branch um, sort of a, a, a complete clean out, going through everything there. But my worry then, PJ, would be there are some politicians and members of government, some who care deeply about public service broadcasting and how important it is, but there are some, and this really does worry me, who would use this opportunity to get RTE completely under the cosh. And where then lies our public service broadcasting? How, how do you mean by that, Alison? What do you mean by that? Because, PJ, I suppose they resent, politicians would often resent having to go out and answer questions. Now, and they'd be right to resent it now. Uh, given given what we've learned, them being held to account by RTE and this an RTE who was not anywhere near meeting the same standards in terms of transparency. So that um, you will often hear that a certain politician or a certain minister was really annoyed at how they were at how they were questioned, for instance. And I know from years over, we'll say times of general elections and that they'd be skin and hair flying in the background. Yeah. Um, with RTE about you weren't fair to us, um, you know, why did you put him on, this party got X, and there's a constant power game going on. So my point being that if RTE is almost fatally weakened in that, yeah. and that the politicians have the upper hand, that is not a good situation. Now that's leaping ahead a bit, there's, there's quite a bit to go. Of course, like, is it possible that this trust be regained, Sorry, PJ, can, can the can trust be the regained? I beg your pardon. Can the trust be regained? Yeah, it's a, it's a very, I mean, it's a very interesting question as to what oh, this, appreciating that there are, you know, there are legal uh, considerations that you have to take into account. But if the public and, and everyone keeps hearing from RT, especially at the media committee, the when they appear before the media committee on Wednesday and the public accounts committee on Thursday, if there's a whole line of, well, we can't get into that, it's legal reasons, commercial reasons, mm. they are in serious trouble then. That, there's, there's absolutely no point in, uh, in, even, in even going if that's, if that's the attitude that they're, that they're going to adopt. Now, there's an added complication. There's a perfect storm insofar as we know now that Dee Forbes is gone, but, but Dee Forbes was, was gone, if you like, because she was taken on annual leave before she stepped down. And Kevin Backhurst, the new director general, wasn't due to start to the middle of July. So in that way, the, the person who was to take over the head of the executive board isn't even in situ yet. Mm. Um, but I think the, 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 cha- the chairwoman of the board has made it clear that she, you know, she appears to be sincere in her efforts uh, to try and sort this out and sincere in her efforts to ensure that RT does have a future. But you, I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw Alan Kelly on the news, it was on Friday night, uh, the former Labour leader, and he was basically, his was basically suggesting sort of tear it all up and, and start again. Yeah. So, I mean, everything seems to be on the table. Um, but you're still left with this situation, PJ, where I would say the licence fee issue has been possibly one of the longest running political issues that's on the table that remains unresolved. And while we're all really angry at the moment, and and I'm sure there are, you know, I God love any TV license inspectors that are out there and knocking on doors. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy it as a job anyway. 
Um, but how, so I mean, RTE, while all this was going on at the top levels in terms of the, you know, money being dispensed like confetti, it seems, at other levels then the station is in really serious trouble financially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are so many sort of wheels within wheels in this story. And then everybody is just so, so angry. And just you mentioned Patrick Keelty there earlier. Um, and I didn't hear Fiona was saying I didn't hear his response. Mm-hmm. But I'm not even sure, for instance, does RT have tied down the sponsorship? For they the haven't. Next that's that's the my league. reading of it this morning. They don't yeah. have a sponsorship and being that's, in place. Yeah, that's some, I was I was talking to somebody on Friday that was was telling me that. And I mean, that's a huge revenue earner for the station. So that would be another major financial blow if that's if that's what has happened there. Mm-hmm. And you you just I mean, PG, we all just have to think back to the. Um, to the pandemic. And I know stations like your own and also RTE, the level of trust that we had, the way we hung on every word, mm-hmm. wanting to know when was the restrictions going to be lifted, what, that's the importance of, of, of media that you can trust and that you tune into and that you know you're not getting, you're not getting false news. And in Irish society, RTE plays a really, really important role on that. So I suppose we don't we don't want to end up throwing the baby out of the bathwater either. No, but what if it should happen? We've been told it won't, but what if it should happen that another member of the top ten money was being pushed around like this? What well, ha- what if it emerges? Yeah, I mean, it, from what Adrian Lynch, the acting Deputy Director General, said, that's not the case, and they're getting Grant Thornton to confirm that. But what, so what I would worry about now would be more if they did. It's clear from Dee Forbes' statement that they did a particular thing here to respond to a particular situation with barter accounts and that, right? And it involved a, a very, very significant amounts of money. And also, she does can't account for these other amounts where we're wondering about prior prior to that. She says she doesn't know anything about it. That's a whole other tale. So therefore, you may not have it in the top ten. But you would have to wonder if you forensically go through RTE accounts, what other, maybe not to do with the top 10 or barter accounts, but what other things were being done mm-hmm. to answer, to, to, to sort out tricky situations. Indeed. Alison, thank you. Alison O'Connor of the Sunday Times and many years ago of this parish. She worked briefly, very early days. Of 96FM, she worked with us briefly in the newsroom. Thank you, Addison, for that. 0818 96 96 96. Your trust is, is, is gone, I think, in RTE at this stage. I think it's fair to say there's no one listening to this programme right now who trust their figures. Uh, people who need to answer for this are the group of executives who agreed to cover that up. You don't want RTE going the same way as the BBC with political appointments to board level that have completely eroded public trust. Yeah, it's it's a point, but it wasn't the fact they didn't cover it up. They lied about it. They put 440,000 into an annual report to the government as a salary for Ryan Tuberty, while he was actually being paid 515,000. No law was broken, as Ian Guider told me on Friday. He said, don't even go there. There was no law broken here. But money was being pushed around right, left and centre to get extra money to this one man. Why? And why just him? That's my view. Why just him? We're, we're, we're told that there was nobody else. 
And I've only ever met Tubbs a handful of times. And I found him a fierce, pleasant fella. Uh, he's very certainly very popular with anyone that goes to a toy show audition. He's a very nice, affable fella. He's done some interviews, particularly with KC and Ross in the morning here over the years. And I've done a couple with him myself. A terrible, nice, affable fella. But, like, is he really the only one that they were pushing money around for? PJ staff at RT are very angry about this. They're worried about their own jobs. The next few weeks will tell all. Dave, you're so right. And one thing I will say is that inside RTE, there are the top 10 and maybe the 10 after them, the top 20, paid shed loads of money for what they do. There are also hundreds of people paid very small money. You've got tons of people working in key roles in RTE who are barely pulling the average industrial wage out of it. That's, that's the truth. That's the absolute truth. Does RTE pay the odd? No. Amazing to think it was never discovered until now. A small business would have been shut down and dragged through the courts if they forgot to file some silly receipt or something small. How was it not caught by an audit? Well, there's the thing. It was caught by an audit. But how did it take so long for an audit to find it? It literally was someone doing the audit, because there has to be an audit every year, someone doing the audit who said, hang on a second, what's that? And believe me when I tell you, because their auditors come into this building every year and every other building like it in the country. They come in and they, they go through the books, a fine-tooth comb and a magnifying glass and a calculator and sometimes a pencil and paper. And the last thing you want, the last thing any management in any company ever wants is for their auditor to sing, sorry, um, what's that? What's that? Because when an auditor is saying, what's that? You could be in trouble. Because the auditor knows what that is before they ask you most of the time. Give us a break from RTE. What difference will it make to you or me? If people don't like it, don't pay the TV licence. But the majority of people will still pay for it, says John. I don't know, John. I don't know that. I know that as I checked, it's one of the bills that the Queen Bee pays at home. And she did pay it back around, I don't know, April or May. I said to her, will you pay it next year? She goes, let's think about it next year. Yeah. Oh, your thoughts very, very welcome this Monday morning. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There are so many other things happening too around the place, and it would be wrong of me not to mention uh, that awful tragedy in uh, East Cork yesterday. Ten year old. I mean, it's a family's worst nightmare. Ten year old boy goes into the water for a swim on a June Sunday afternoon. And he gets into difficulties and his mom goes in to help him and he's rescued and she dies later in hospital. We'll have more on that with Maureen uh, later on in the programme but I just wanted to stop down there and mention it. Our thoughts with the people of that part of East Cork and anyone who knew that, that lady who I understand was Eastern European but had been here for quite a number of years. Kevin and Good to, of you to send in this message because I'd forgotten it. It's important people distinguish a difference between RTE management and staff. The coverage I've seen from RTE News has pulled no punches over the weekend. You have to imagine they're furious at being tied with the same brush. You're not wrong there. And of the top ten that we keep mentioning, and there are many others like it, it's very important, and particularly in the newsroom, particularly within the newsroom at RTE, most of those senior people are staffers. 
if you're a staffer, it means you don't have an old Kelly working for you. It means you don't have these to-and-fro negotiations on what you're going to be paid. If you're a staffer, a salary is put on the table. You can to-and-fro a little bit on it, but it is what it is. And there's no messing around. And you pay your PRSI and you pay your PAYE and you... It's like any other employee and you have to retire at the age of 65 or is it 66 now? And an awful lot, in fact, the majority of people in the newsroom would be staffers. Yeah, some of them are on damn good wages. Staffers, nonetheless. And they've got no connection to any of this kind of carry-on. And definitely, Kevin, you're right. I, I imagine that they would be furious. I know that from what little dealings I would have had over the last few years and continue to have now and again with the Today Show downtown, I can imagine people in there, young, hard-working producers and researchers, are livid. Livid at what has been going on um, in the higher echelons of the organisation. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, actually, speaking of salaries and, and all of that, <laughs> do you know that D Forbes... Is was and her replacement Kevin Backhurst will be paid more than the president. Did you know that? President, last time I looked, the president's on a salary of two hundred and fifty thousand a year. Now, nice big house to live in and all these things. But dear to for yeah, D Forbes, she doesn't go by dear to D Forbes. Um, salary or the salary of any director general is three hundred and six grand a year come on 0818 96 96 96 now uh, Bell Child Care is a thriving uh, operation and I know John Bowman you're booked out until sometime in 2025 which is a remarkable success and well done for it but you have a serious problem trying to find places for your staff to live good morning Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a problem not just in in my sector, but across across the board is is really to find some place for people to live. It's uh, it's a real issue because um, our staff um, are struggling. I mean, we are people. We have people both local and international, and uh, they're coming in into the city to try and find some place to live, but they can't find it. We people staying in hotels and hostels in the hope of finding something. And they can last maybe six or eight weeks and they're gone. They're back out of the country again. And it's killing me. Yeah. You went and you distributed leaflets. I did, yeah. We, I mean, myself and my wife Lorna um, were at our wits' end because we'd been reaching out to our own parents who were really supportive and, and helped out in, enormously. Um, but we tried estate agents, but a lot, of, a lot of them didn't want to deal with us because they felt they might be subletting. And... Uh, we just thought, you know something, we might as well take the bull by the horns here and see if we can reach out directly to, to homeowners and see if we can uh, get some place to rent before it even comes onto the market. Because I know from people I know who would have property that if you advertise something on Daft, you can get four, five, six hundred um, responses. And that can be overwhelming for people, um, particularly individual private landlords. 
So what we thought was, look, at if we can take that out, if we take that stress out of people's lives, they can deal directly with us. We'll guarantee to keep the property full and it might be a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I mean, the rent-a-room scheme, a lot of people don't seem to know about it. You can have someone renting a room, lodging in your house, €14,000, and you don't have to pay tax on it. Are most people, Are many people taking that option up? There, they are. There's quite a few um, who are taking it up. And you, be, you see, things, it depends. You're right, PJ. A lot of people haven't heard about this or they're very unfamiliar with it. And it's something that could really alleviate some of the pressure short term at the moment because there's an awful lot of people sitting in houses they, that they've either uh, families have left kind of empty nesters or they're looking at downsizing and there's no properties out there and in the meantime they have two three rooms sitting empty and uh, yeah it's a fantastic scheme you can take people into your home up to 14,000 uh, euros a year tax-free as you said and I think there's even talk of that increasing in the next budget possibly up to 21,000 but it's stuff like this that people we need to be looking at and the government needs Needs to be really promoting because we it would work mass it could work very well for students and if we could take the students into accommodation like that and then maybe free up the house shares and the the apartment shares for 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 working people certainly until the housing stock increases and I suppose that's a real concern as well because if I could look down the line and see maybe that there was going to be properties I mean that, that there was a real drive to develop and build properties you go okay maybe this is a two-year glitch until we the housing stock comes up but it's very hard to see where houses are going to come from in the future and even with the best will in the world if the government are going to try and build them where the guys or where the workers going to come from that are going to actually build these properties so i mean as, as a business owner who is looking to employ people it's it's hard looking down the the track to see where accommodation for these people is going to come from you you've you've 40 staff members at the moment are people thinking they may have to leave john yeah, I mean there are. I mean it, it, it's a constant. It's a constant turnover. The the other problem is if you can find something, the cost of it is is, is very very high. Yeah. Um. And and the cost very often doesn't reflect the reality of what what people are being asked to pay for. Um. You know we we know anecdotally from 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 our staff members that the the quality of the properties can be really, really poor and the, the rent's very, very unrealistic, but people are painted into a corner. They have no choice, but they'll they'll take it on. And I suppose not every landlord is like that, but there's a couple of unscrupulous ones out there who are really taking advantage of the situation. But yeah, I mean, uh, staff members are, I mean, if, if wages can't keep pace with rent, which it, it can't at the moment, yeah, people are thinking of having to leave the sector. It's a, it's a situation that just seems to get progressively worse. I mean, we're going to be coming into another student deluge of new students now in, in the sep- September, October. They're looking for digs. They're looking for accommodation. It all tightens up supply for people like yourself. It does. It, it, it's That's very true, PJ. And this is why we timed our, our flyer drop to kind of coordinate with, with the start of the, the, the summer when there may be properties free at the moment and before that deluge of students comes back in. But I mean, I can see them I in the universities are managing to build accommodation. I mean, everywhere you look, there seems to be student accommodation going up. So, I mean, it, it kind of beggars belief that the government can't step in and start doing some sort of meaningful uh, accommodation that would work for young people. I mean, it, I, I see the city centres. I mean, I look around the city centre in Cork and I know you've done about dereliction in the yeah. past, but I mean, a lot of a lot of the people that I would be looking to employ are young people who would love to live in the city centres. I mean, when I was young and travelled, you, you want to live in city centres. You don't want to be out in the suburbs. You want to be in the heart of where it is. And if we could get people living in the cities again, it would really invigorate the cities. It would, it would create a cafe culture. It would create everything that we're trying to do. You know, there's no point... 
pedestrianising the city and, and cutting car usage and trying to create this lovely environment if there's nobody in there. I mean, if people aren't living yeah. in the city who can walk out of their apartment in the evening, stroll down to the corn store, have a coffee or a beer, walk home, you know, there's none of that. I mean, if you're, if you're out in Balancolica places, you're not going to really come into town for a coffee or a beer. You're, it's, it's, it's shocking. The city centre is really, for well, me, is where, where, where the truth is like. Let me look, John, for the 110th time, and it's so hmm. much now, it's almost a reflex action. Look out the window here of Studio One in Broadcasting House down at Patrick Street and think of the number of upper floor rooms that are, the only thing in them is dust. But this is it. Actually, it, it would be wonderful to actually get a figure on, on what capacity to accommodate is there around the city centre. You know, and it, I don't. Ex- well, OK, I accept that it's very it's prohibitively expensive to do it. But I mean, we need to start doing something. And if the government have this surplus as these billions sitting there, it needs to go into accommodation because long term that will pay dividend. You know, if, we, if we're looking at keeping this economy, we're bucking the trend here. I mean, we have an economy that's growing and wants to grow. Um, and if we want to keep that growth, we've got to find places to accommodate people. And as I said, if we could get if we could get creative about it and look at some way of doing the city centres, you know, using all that space that's sitting, as you said, three, four stories up above shop fronts. And it would reinvigorate the shop, the, the business side of it as well. A few people living there, shops and cafes will survive in, the, in these units, you know, the ones that you see kind of permanently rotating. As you said, up Patrick Street, they're there. They're, they last a couple of months and they're gone. There's no passing trade. Uh, uh, there's no trade after six o'clock. You know, it, it's as I said, accommodation is is going to be the real problem in growing this economy in the next five six years. Yeah. John, thank you very much, and good luck with recruiting staff and um, for your business, Bell Child Care, fabulous company, uh, booked out. It look, tell me how good you are. Tell me how booked you are. Twenty twenty five. You can't get inside the door of Bell Child Care until 2025 and John is struggling to hold on to his staff not because he doesn't have work for them he's got plenty of it but because they don't have anywhere to live Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing changing lives with the latest hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Coach 96 FM The minds are live Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. I will come back to um, RT and your comments about Tuberty and other such things a little bit later. Plenty of them still coming in. Want to lighten the mood a little bit though for this Monday morning. Morning. I see there was a, a proposal at the Codeline concert the other night. Lots of proposals during the one when they do that at their gigs. It's kind of a thing. Lots of people have promo- pr- proposed at a Codeline gigs. Was it you got engaged the other night? Are you listening this morning? We'd love to hear from you. They did a lovely version of Crazy World actually in tribute to Christy Dignam. I saw somebody putting that up on video online. Other good news this morning, by the way, you've often heard us speaking here about Aideen Mullins, uh, from Siam Warriors Cork. Well, she won gold, did Aideen, at the 2023 WBC Muay Thai World Championships in Venice. 
over the weekend. In fact, so did another member of Siam Warriors, Colm O'Mahony. Both won gold. Congratulations to them and to their trainer, Martin Horgan, on yet another huge achievement. In fact, I heard from Aideen's mom, Cynthia, uh, overnight. It's a two gold and a bronze coming back. Aideen and Colm got the gold and Doug Quinlan got bronze. The Irish team under head coach Martin Horgan also got team of the tournament. And there were fighters from all over the country. So proud of each and every one of them. The training, dedication and discipline put into Muay Thai is incredible. But I've chatted with Aideen Mullins a couple of times and with her mom Cynthia on the show. And delighted for her. Absolutely thrilled. And we have a mutual friend, her uncle, Michael Lee, is an old pal of myself and Fergal's going back along through the radio days uh, delighted for delighted for young Aideen Mullins 0818 96 96 96 where were you proposed to where did you make the proposal how did you do it did you do it well or did you make a total hames of it I, I seem to remember I just I literally said come here is it about time we got married or what I mean it she still tells me to this day, like, you could have done a bit better with that. Do you know? Um, it, it's about time we got married or what, isn't it? Kind of thing. Uh, I wasn't one for big gestures. And if I did, you see, she can, if I got up on stage at a concert or did something huge in, in public to propose to Queen Bee back in the day, I'm sure she'd have beat me to death with my own pint glass. I mean, I'm sure she would have. <laughs> It just wasn't, just isn't her thing. But there was a proposal at the Code Line concert over the weekend. There, I think there was a couple in Glastonbury. Did someone propose on stage or near stage in, in Glastonbury? And Chloe Sheehan, who we've often talked to before on the show, uh, joins me. Chloe, now this goes back to, to 2021, to October. Declan sent up a drone to propose to you. You better tell me more. Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Very well. And only married recently, I should say. Yes, we married. I'm Chloe Deneen now. We married <laughs> on the 16th of June, so only last Friday. So and how's, how's married life suiting you, Mrs. Deneen? Very good, very good. We're over in Croatia at the moment and the weather is glorious, so can't complain. <laughs> all right. Tell me about this drone. He went to all sorts of trouble. He went to all sorts of trouble. He blew it out of the water. And if I do say so myself, it wasn't it wasn't him. I wasn't expecting it. I, I definitely thought I'd be probably filling the dishwasher one day and I'd turn around and he'd be on one knee. But yeah, he um he actually said to me after he proposed, I thought if I didn't do something like that, you'd never say yes. <laughs> but we we go out kind of a couple of times a year and Declan surprises me as to where we go and it's normally somewhere like a restaurant that I've going on and on and on about that I really wanted to go and there was one Friday night randomly in October and I was supposed to go out with the girls and we said a couple of days beforehand we were too tired and we wouldn't bother and he didn't actually even know that I was supposed to go out that Friday so he turned around to me on the Wednesday and he said we're going out on Friday I have a table booked and be ready for five o'clock. Mm-hmm. 
So I knew it was quite early. So I was saying, okay. And I was trying to figure out where would you get tables early for dinner? And he said, look, it's down in East Cork. So we'll bring the dog. She'll stay in my sister's and we'll stay there. We'll get a lift in and out. So I thought it might be in Middleton somewhere. Mm. So we were heading away down anyway. And he had told me before we left the house that the table was actually pushed back by half an hour. And I said, look, I'm ready anyway. I said, will we just go down to your sister's and have a glass of wine? Hang on. Whoa. Stop a second. (laughs) A woman who says, I'm ready anyway. This fella's lucky. (laughs) (laughs) He's very lucky. It takes me two minutes to get ready. I'm very fast at getting ready. (laughs) That's why he married me. (laughs) And we went down and we missed the turn off for Cline. And I had the dog on my lap and we were inside in the Jeep and I said, where are you going? And he said, oh, Alan in work told me there's a big cruiser leaving Cove. Come on, we go down and have a look at it. Now, he's really into boats, bikes, tractors, everything. So it, it didn't it didn't dawn on me that anything strange was happening. And he had also mentioned it to me in the past. My mum always said to me, when you're with someone, you can talk about and it's really good advice. She's like, you can talk about houses, babies, where you're going in life, anything. But don't ever talk about proposal because it's the one thing in life that you can't control. Oh. Decision. So oh, that's, he, uh, he, you dropped out there for a second, a Chloe. You oh, dropped out sorry. there. for It's the one thing you said you can't control and take it from there? Is... Um, is, is a proposal someone asking you to to marry them that has to be their choice so i we were together we're together almost eight years and we're building a house um in klein and i knew we'd be together forever but i never said you know come on propose to me come on let's go you know it never really bothered me and he did say to me one day when we get into the house don't ever worry we will get married and i said yeah yeah no problem so i always had it in my head that when we move into the house, probably the night we go in, that he would propose. Now, bear in mind, we're not even into the house yet. <laughs> so this is how much I wasn't expecting it. So we went down anyway to go look at this cruise liner. And it was a misty October evening. And he said, come on, come on out and have a look at it. And I was in a pair of high heels and a dress. And I was saying, oh, God. And I said, look, I'll come out anyway. I said, and the dog can go to the toilet. So that's one of any accidents in his sister's house. <laughs> So I'm walking along. There's no one there. Um, it's just us. There's no cars up there, nothing. And I'm dragging my heels and I'm giving out because I said my wig is getting damp. I was like, I'm I'm cold. I, I was giving out, dragging my heels, walking the dog. And You were getting cranky at this stage, to be honest. I was getting cranky, yeah. You know, I was also hungry at this point. Um, <laughs> Here's me dinner, and, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And next thing I heard a kind of a buzzing noise and I looked and there was a drone way off in the distance and I I put my hand over my face and I was like, oh my God. And he was like, what? And I was like, where is this ship? And he said, I think it's actually delayed leaving Cove. I'll text Alan. And I was like, okay, will we just go? And he was like, why? And I said, because there's some fella now trying to get lovely drone shots of this cruise liner here I am in heels and a dress in the rain with the dog I was like I just look ridiculous I was like we have to go and he's like just two more minutes like it'll surely be here and so I was 
kept my head down and I was I was like, oh, my God, get me out of here. And uh, <laughs> next thing he said, what What does that say? And I was like, what? And I turned around and I couldn't I couldn't really see it properly. So I kind of took a step towards it and I was looking up in the air. And next thing and lights hanging off it, it said, will you marry me? And I Lights there, I, I, hanging I off the drone. Yeah. Yeah, it was really impressive. And I turned around and here he was down on one knee and I was just shocked. And I I actually, when he went down, I looked around because I was like, is there anyone around? I I was like, is this happening? What's going on? (laughs) Don't tell me you thought it was somebody else, did you? I, I I was just like, what is going on? And he he even said it to me. He was down on his knee for about five minutes and he was like, well... And I was like, oh, sorry, I mean, yes, yes, yes. And I was like, oh, my God. I was in such shock. But my one of my really good friends owns a company, and I didn't even know he had this side company, but it's called Spare Time. And he basically put all these kind of spy hidden cameras in all the ditches going along. And he was he drove his car about a five-minute walk away so that I wouldn't recognize the car. He walked up there and he was actually hiding in the bushes controlling the drone. So he was there the whole time. You got punked. Pardon? You got punked. I did. I did. I I was so (laughs) shocked. And then I said to him, I was was shaking. He pulled Moe and candles then out of the ditch, out of the trunk. For the love of God. I was saying, okay. And I was was shaking and I was like, are we um, going for dinner? And he said... Yeah, yeah. And I said, okay. I was like, okay, come on, let's go. So I, I was just so confused. And then we were pulling up to his sister's and I had just topped up my lipstick and I was bent down in the front, putting my lipstick back into my bag. And as I popped up from the car outside his sister's house was our parents and um, our brothers and sisters all there with confetti and everything. And I got out of the car and I, I was just shocked and I was crying. And I turned to him and I said, are we still going for dinner? And he was like, no, no, there's no dinner. I was like, oh, Do <laughs> <laughs> I'm flipping starving. <laughs> but, but you know what you've done now, Chloe, and we will be podcasting this interview, but you know you're going to cause rows all over Cork now. Oh, yeah. You do know that, yeah. don't you? Because the interview, yeah, this podcast will be played back to fellas on kitchen tables and they'll be going, well, now, why can't you do that? Yeah. Can, yeah why can't you do that? Hmm? All yeah. I got from you was about time we got married, isn't it? Huh? Huh? Yeah. You're going to cause rows all over Cork. The video went up on my Instagram page and I'd say Declan got given out to by so many fellas because they were like, Declan, you're really after showing me off. Will you stop, like, get off this. <laughs> Putting us under desperate pressure altogether. <laughs> so 16, 17, 18, 19, 10 or 12 days married today, 10 days married today, 10 days married today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So still in the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> and how's Croatia? Amazing. It's a, This is my third time here now. We, we were here a couple of years ago and we said we'd just come here for a week and relax. So we went on honeymoon to Australia Christmas um, so we're just here to relax for a week and just take it all in and just, you know, we're still talking about the wedding and Brilliant. all the details and yeah, it's amazing. It's all your picture, look good. And how's the hair, Chloe? The hair is good. I didn't wear a wig on my wedding day, which wow. was 
superb. I I wasn't sure until right up to the end, but yeah, no, it was fantastic. Brilliant. We filled in any patches on my hair with some brown eyeshadow, and um, yeah, I'd say about ten days before the wedding, I found two small patches, but. They seem to be growing back a bit now. And yeah, the hair is doing really, really well, thank God. Thrilled for you. I'm thrilled for you because I know we talked at times when it was a lot less uh, hopeful yeah. than that. So yeah. I'm delighted for you and thrilled. And congratulations. And uh, good to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of your, of your trip to Croatia. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, PJ. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. That's Chloe Sheehan, now Chloe Deneen. Chloe's hair affair on Instagram. But definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, that is the proposal debate all proposals I think and it's I guarantee you there'll be people in kitchens now tonight and there'll be women will be playing back this podcast which you'll get wherever you get your podcast ready probably after midday sometime now 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 see what he did see what he did huh huh yeah the proposal at Codeline we'd love to talk to whoever they were the one at Glastonbury was Tom Fairclough who got engaged to Emma Volante. They met in Los Angeles in 2016. They're both from Liverpool and they met at Sunset Boulevard. Seven years later, he got down on one knee and asked Emma to marry him. He chose the unusual location as it's one of Emma's favourite places in the world. What, Glastonbury in the muck? Well done to them. By the way... Speaking of Glastonbury, of all the things to miss, I missed Elton John last night at Glastonbury and I'm sick of reading stuff on my socials at how brilliant he was. I hope they're repeating it. Does anybody know? This is mad and crazy. Does anybody know if they're repeating Elton John somewhere on the schedule from Glastonbury? Because I, I really would love to see it. last. I missed it last night. If it had been Saturday night, I'd probably have seen it. But Oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on. We'll take the break. Take the break. I think we might have another proposal. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, I love this one. And by the way, if there's any proposals that went disastrously badly, we'd love to hear about them as well. They're actually better, some of them. I love the ones that go disastrously wrong. My friend's boyfriend got down on one knee, PJ, on a bridge in the city. She turned around and said, get up! This is not happening here. This is not happening now. He had to stand up and rethink. They have since gotten married, but the bridge proposal was just not going to cut it. That's from Anna. <laughs> she turned around, there he is, telling me, get up. Get up! No, this is not happening now. Oh. Good morning, Rebecca. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. It was you and Colin at Co- at Codeline. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. Tell me all about the two of you. So me and Colin were together now six years. We two beautiful baby girls, Danny and Bailey, and it was their birthday this weekend as well. And we went to Codeline on Friday night. And as we were walking in the door, this girl standing there said, "Do you want to go into the Codeline?" And I was like, this is a scam now. Like, and she was like, no, no, no. Can, you, just, Rebecca, can you move around a little bit because your your phone is breaking in and out. So the, the, can you hear me? Yeah, that's better. So someone, someone met you going in, yeah? Yeah, a lady working there met us going in and said, do we want to go into the Golden Circle? That means right, be in the pit, like just right next to the stage. Yeah. And um, 
I was like, no, 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 I thought it was a scam. And she was like, look, I'm letting in the first 2,000 people to the Golden Circle, do you want to go in? So we were like, okay. So we were three rows back from the stage. And we were at the concert and Code and I started singing, you know, their big song, The One. Yeah. And I said to Colin, we get a video of me and you singing it now. But as I got the video, he started crying. And next thing I looked, he was oh, moving away again. Hold on, just come back to me. Come back to me with the, with the line isn't great. Can you hear me now? Yeah, this, the song started end. And he got down on one knee. And the whole crowd went mad. And halfway through it, um, the main singer on code line said, hold on, it's not a proposal. And we were looking at the screen and everything. It was unbelievable. Also, did the person who let you into the Golden Circle, had he told anybody? No, no, it just all happened by fluke. Like, it was like it was supposed to happen, no. <laughs> and he had a ring with him? Had the ring with him, yeah. So he was all set to propose at the gig, like? Yeah, so he knew that he said when he, when we got into the Golden Circle, he said it's house rock, because he nearly knew that they'd say it on stage. <laughs> so it was kind of karma, purely. I know, I know, yeah, I hate it. And the whole place is videos and everything, it was, it was absolutely lovely, it was brilliant. That's brilliant, that's absolutely yeah. <laughs> and, and then lovely, up on lovely. screen, because you know, someone was, someone I know was at the gig, and we're, we're sending social media clips, and they said, there's been a proposal, there's been a proposal, and it was during the one, it was during the one. This seems to be a thing with Codeline, loads of people get engaged at, at, at the, at their, <laughs> during the one. <laughs> And I, at the last time I was at a concert with Ed Sheeran and Codeline where they acted Ed Sheeran, the opening act. Yeah. And he actually, the main singer on Codeline actually proposed to his girlfriend on stage when I was there last. Oh, was that down the park? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Do you want oh, me to play no, it? Love. Yeah, definitely do play it, definitely. I think of it. They're, you're together about six years and two, six how, years. Old are the, how old are the little girls? So Bonnie is five and Bailey is two. Bonnie and Bailey. They're lovely names. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you, how did you choose those names? Oh, my God. I don't know. I think Colin chose Bonnie, and I always wanted Bailey. I wanted to call Bonnie Bailey, so I got I got the second pick then. Bonnie's a lovely name. Yeah, so yeah it's beautiful. Okay. So what what do you do? You're, uh, are, you, are you, you working? What are you doing? Yeah, the two of us actually work in Cope, or healthcare assistants. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Big, big so cheers up there. So when you went in... Oh, I'm on holidays now for 10 days. It couldn't happen any better. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Are you going anywhere or have any plans? No, no. No, nothing planned now, no. All right. Well, listen, congratulations to you both. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having All me on. All right. Take you, and thank you for contacting us because we just put the call out and there she was on the end of the phone. That's Rebecca who got engaged to Colin at Codeline on Friday night. Rebecca Crowley got engaged to Colin McCarthy uh, they're six years together there's two little girls Bonnie and Bailey and they got let into the gold circle down at Codeline on Friday night he had a ring in his pocket he was going to propose anyway but they got let into the gold circle on came the one and down he went on the one knee and another fight in another house tonight because it'll be oh, why can't you do that? I could, and 0818969696. Coming back to the, the RTE story, it continues to bubble. Uh, D Forbes resigning this morning before 8 o'clock. Now, Claire Bourne has gone on radio this morning and told people her salary. Uh, she's another one of Noel Kelly's uh, clients, uh, the, the, the agent. And she went on the air this morning and she told her listeners. She's now paid €280,000. She's taken a drop of 70. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since she gave up her television show on Monday nights, and she also said she got paid 25000 for presenting that pretty awful quiz show that was there over the last couple of months. But now she says 280000 is what she's now being paid. <sighs> Eye-watering money, but if your agent can get it for you, your agent can get it for you. Um, there's a few more comments in on RTE. I will come back to them. But, Justin, I think you want to take issue with something I said to the back end of last week about about Donald Trump. Is this when I was talking to to Gordon on Friday. Morning, Justin. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. I'm not sure it was the gentleman calling from Rhode Island. Yeah, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gordon. So it wasn't so much about Trump. I voted for President Trump the first time, didn't vote for him the second time. I've served in the two branches, U.S. military and the U.S. Department of Justice. Yeah. My statement was about what Gordon was saying, how Biden's doing a great job. He's not. That's why we left America and moved home to Ireland because he's tearing he's tearing the place apart. Mm. The issue I take with it is the double standard of justice. Mm. They speed rolled this investigation into Trump, this indictment of Trump, and if Trump had classified documents, yes, he should be charged. Go through the court process. You know, he's remembered uh, he's presumed he's innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. So they have to prove it. And the amount of evidence regarding President Joe Biden, his son Hunter, and the stuff that they're going through. You don't see any of that on the media over here. I was making the point on on Friday, if I remember remember the conversation now, Justin, I made the point to, we were talking about where the election might go and that Trump is very likely to be, in fact, he's almost certain to be the Republican candidate once again. And that... Gordon was making the point that Joe Biden's age is very much going against him in public opinion now in that he would, if he were to complete a second term he'd be 86 years of age I made the point but just my observations is the man seems to be mm. seems to be slowing down a bit but I did say that in this country he would be quite well liked that's what I said 
Well, and that's that's where I'm getting at. The, he was here a few weeks back with his son. His mm. son has just been indicted on crimes and pled guilty, and he's getting probation for crimes that other people, as I know when I worked in the prison, that came to jail for the same crimes and got put in jail for a year and a day, two years, three years, and he's getting away with, with nothing. Mm. And the, the court of public opinion in America, it really has nothing to do with his age. It has to do with the money they're taking, how the IRS had a whistleblower that came out and told Congress that the Department of Justice interfered in the investigation and told them to not investigate any further. The laptop that Hunter Biden had, 128 uh, drug crimes, mm. 193 business-related crimes. Just the other day, the IRS came out, a bunch of agents from the IRS came out and showed the Hunter Biden's uh, WhatsApp messages to one of the directors in China demanding that they call immediately and he's sitting there with his father mm. and the next day they were wired in over five million dollars from china the one question the i would ask you justin with regard to this i i have I've, so, I've a good friend who i've spoken to about saying, this that's what i think is going to hurt yeah that's what i think is going to hurt biden yeah but with regard to just that if you take what donald trump is is accused of and you take yeah. what hunter biden is accused of and as you mm-hmm. say has pled guilty to quite a bit now at this point Donald Trump is responsible for his own behavior. Is Joe Biden responsible for the behavior of his son? When Joe Biden is on the receiving end of partial $5 million payment from the Chinese government, when the Chinese government just flew a spy balloon over the United States, yes, he is involved. And yes, he is responsible for those actions. When Hunter Biden's invoking his father's name, he is responsible for those actions because you don't see Joe Biden coming out telling his son to stop. You don't see Joe Biden coming out saying he was lying. I had nothing to do with that. Mm. I wasn't there. You won't even see Joe Biden address reporters when they ask him. Instead, they push him out of the press office. And Mm. I've never seen a U.S. president shut down the press more than this president has. I've served proudly under President Clinton, President George Bush, President Obama, and I retired right before Trump got into office. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And no U.S. president has done what this U.S. president is doing regarding the press. Okay. You know, I watched some of those briefings and they end very quickly and they end very abruptly. And and it seems to be at a point where his team are jumping in saying, take over quickly before he before he says anything that he will regret. And and I I get a sense as someone who understands how press conferences work, that that definitely seems to be going. Justin, while I have you, you say like you're here now living in Ireland and great to have you. And I know you call the show from next time. Like it is now looking like Trump v. Biden for the next election, un- unless something drastic happens. How do you see that? I can kind tell of- you, I like, I like, I, I, I don't think Trump will, you know, I, I think this whole indictment is going to push more people to vote for him. Yeah. I, do- I hope he doesn't become the president again. Do you think he, he could? He was a good president to, ex- I, I like that he exposed the double standard in America under his first presidency. Mm. I don't think that he can. I personally am looking at Robert Kennedy Chris Christie, Nikki Haley. Is Chris, or Mike is Chris Christie still on the where, scene? Yeah. Oh yeah, we were. We just. I'll, I'll. I'll shoot you over. We just met with him in last November. We were down. We had a flight to New York for a charity event. Yeah. And we were there with him, talking with him. And back then, I said, I told him you should run for president. He goes, Oh, I don't know about that. And then he just announced. So it's a good possibility. Um, does he have a shot? He's, you know, he's, he's a good, he's a decent man. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. and, and it, it it does look as if though, and I mean, look, we're we're months away from the start of it. Well, it's Super Tuesday, or something like the fifth of March next year, or something like that. Like we're a long way away yet. Um, it's twelve months before we have a, a nominations, but it is hard yeah. to see beyond Trump v Biden now. It, it is, but even if it is Trump v Biden, Americans always have another choice. And if if it's down to the two of them, I'm voting Kennedy on the independent ticket. I mm. won't vote for either of them. You know, I, I our neighbor chances of an independent really winning. Ha- you know, you you know the score, Justin, better than I. Chances of an independent yeah, I, actually winning are virtually nil. Yeah, but this time you got a Kennedy power behind it, this, this, and they have a that. lot of power still. There so, you know, there is, th- there is that. But I, I will. It's like I explained to my neighbor. She was raving about Joe Biden coming here, and they said only in Ireland. Could one of the most corrupt individuals step foot on U.S. soil? And because he's a U.S. president, they'll welcome him with open arms, Mm. speak very highly of him. And that happened when Trump came for a visit, too. That happened when Bush came, when Obama came. It's Mm. like when royalty comes to visit from the states here. And and they roll out the red carpet oh, for him. Listen, when we have a U.S. president in town, everything stops for that couple of days. And exactly, it, it it it's just a thing. It's I I don't think there's another country in the world does it for a visiting U.S. president. But Justin, thank you very much for that. Always appreciate your contribution. There's a man who's actually been there, done that, worn the helmet. Um, for the US military. Thank you, Justin. 0818 96 96 96. There's the one. Look, it'll get much more interesting as we head into 2024. The US presidential election. Super Tuesday is early March of 2024, so we have a whole long distance to go between now and then. 0818 96 96 96. Can I mention this? Because if I don't, I'll forget it. Ballyfahan Community Centre tomorrow at 7 o'clock. There's a talk. Three speakers, including Kevin Quaid. This is a dementia information evening being held at Benifahan Community Centre. Kevin Quaid, who was with me in studio here a few weeks ago, powerful conversation we had, the two of us. It's organised by the local community association. It's a free event and all are welcome. Thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, there was tragedy in East Cork yesterday and uh, we will find out more next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Quartz 96 FM. Killa Makara will be hosting a fundraising music bingo night in Kennedy's Bar Killa on Saturday the 1st of July. There'll be lots of prizes, club classics, music from the 80s, 90s, noughties and more plus the DJ on the night and the event will be raising funds for Killa Mockra Club. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie Desperate tragedy in East Cork yesterday afternoon. It happened at a place called Ballycronine Beach uh, near Cloyne which I understand is a, a beach that others go to who wouldn't go to Gary Vaux because Gary Vaux gets just that little bit busy for them. Joined by Maureen Twig. 96 FM Newsroom. Maureen, tell us what happened. Good morning to you. 
Good morning, PJ. Yeah, very sad tragedy coming out of East Cork yesterday. So it was around 1pm around lunchtime uh, when a woman aged in her 30s and her young son, they got into difficulty in the water at Ballycrunin Beach. Now, the woman who'd been living in the Cloyne area for a number of years was airlifted to Cork University Hospital where she sadly passed away yesterday afternoon. Her son, uh, we believe to be aged around 10, was rescued from the rocks at Ballycrunin Beach and he was uh, treated for non-life-threatening injuries. She was brought to the, the pier, I believe, in Ballycotton and treated there by paramedics and then airlifted to hospital, but unfortunately didn't make it. That's it, and it's quite a popular beach, especially with uh, with locals in the East Cork area. It's uh, Ballycrunin Beach, it's in Cloyne, but it's between Ballycotton and Gailene, and as we know, Gary Vaux would be quite a popular spot down in East Cork, but but Ballycrunin Beach is popular with locals, yeah. and I suppose as we you know we come into the, the summer school holidays now, and you know with the fine weather as well, the beach is definitely on the top of a lot of people's lists, so uh, I can imagine there was a lot of local people around yesterday at lunchtime, and, and would have witnessed uh, what happened there and I was speaking to local councillor Michael Hegarty who, who did say you know it's a popular spot and but he said you know there's a very uh, very dark cloud now over mm. the area and you know they'll do all they can to assist in the utmost for the family and the loved ones of this family and of course her young son who was involved in, in this tragedy as well and you know he said it's a very very difficult time and the people in the area you know they love the beach um, and he paid tribute as well PJ course to the emergency service Services who were involved and he said you can't praise them enough there was Ballycotton lifeboat Corsavin lifeboat involved the Coast Guards from Gailene and Ballycotton they were all called to the scene and, and of course Rescue 117 as well who would have uh, airlifted this lady to Cork University Hospital it's just such a, a sad tragedy and I suppose as I say you know a Sunday afternoon the you know sun is out and, and the, into the, the summer holidays uh, it would have been quite a, a busy spot at that time yesterday mm-hmm. yeah and um does she have, she hasn't been identified, I believe, formally because she's of Eastern European origin and there are some difficulty with contacting relatives. Does she have other children, do we know? Does she have a partner? Um, my understanding is, yes, that has a partner and, and two children. Um, and as you say, uh, trying to, to contact loved ones and family who uh, may not be, be living in Ireland or, you know, and there has been tributes paid to this lady on social media from uh, locals, I suppose, in the Cloyne area and clubs that she would have been involved in as well. But like that, you know, I suppose trying to ensure that all of her family are made aware uh, of this sad tragedy. And I suppose, you know, nobody ever, ever wants to receive that phone call. No, and a post-mortem will be carried out and there'll be a file be prepared for an inquest which will presumably happen sometime next year. Already, there was another rescue. The rescue services had a busy day yesterday in Shidani. Yeah, down in West Cork. So in Chidani, as many will know, be quite a popular beach. And this was at about 10 to 4 yesterday afternoon. And there was a lifeguard on duty. And they saw uh, the lifeguard saw a group of four entering the water off the eastern beach at Inchidani. And there was, an, there was no safe swimming zone. So it was marked by red-yellow flags operating on the eastern beach. So it, it made the lifeguard quite concerned for this group's safety followed their gut instinct and followed them down to the eastern beach and used their whistle to alert the group of the dangers that they were going into. Now, by this time, uh, two of the group were waist deep in, in water and they turned around and they came back to shore. But the other two people, uh, uh, male and female, they were uh, drifting further out when they saw the lifeguards. They proceeded to shout and wave, saying that they were in distress. So uh, the the lifeguard arrived at the surf rescue board and the Inchidani lifeboat driver was also present and were 
already making ready the lifeboat to launch it out to, to these two people. Now, one lifeguard set out through the surf at great speed while the lifeboat was launched off the beach uh, with, with one member of the, the lifeboat driving and the lifeguard was, was acting as the crew on the lifeboat yesterday. So uh, the rescue board reached the two swimmers, one male, one female. As I say, they were in distress and they were told to hang on to the rescue board uh, to keep themselves afloat. Now, the lifeboat arrived and in difficult conditions, they pulled the, the, the male and female into the boat and went back to shore and they landed safely back onto the eastern beach. Now, the casualties here were brought up to the lifeguard station. Their condition was assessed. They were shook by the ordeal, but no medical attention was necessary. And I suppose the, the big advice here from uh, Inchidani lifeguards is, you know, everyone needs to work together. You have to follow the advice of the lifeguard. You have to watch out for the the, the flags. So they're mm. saying, you know, only swim at lifeguarded beaches this summer. Always swim between the red flags and, and do listen to the lifeguard's advice. They said, you know, in today's rescue or yesterday, so it was, you know, it ended with a positive outcome and they've commended the, the vigilance and actions of the lifeguards and the lifeboat driver for their skill yeah. in, in carrying out this rescue yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is... Something always worth repeating. Maureen, thank you very much, Maureen Tuig of Cork's 96 FM News. Uh, that desperate tragedy in Ballycrony, which one thing it's known for, um, reading this morning in the newspaper, it's known for strange tides, as in difficult tides from time to time and riptides. And because of its position right there at the mouth of the harbour, there can be difficulty with tides in Ballycrony. And then down in Inchidani. Andy, as long as I'm going there, and I'm go- I haven't been there for years now, but I remember going there as a young fellow, and you'd always be told between the flags, between the flags, swim between the flags, because that's where they know the water is safe. And there are many beaches like that around our coast, around our coastline of Cork, and if you see flags, get in between the two flags, because you're there and you're watched, and the lifeguards and the people on the beach have deemed that that area is a safe place to swim. Stay inside the flags. Is, is the message. Now, 0818 96 96 96. Now, up at the Glen Boxing Club. D- where, where this, when did this happen? Cloda. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Cloda McEfeelan, treasurer of Glen Boxing Club. This tree, a commemorative tree, vandalised at the weekend. It was, yeah. Um, the significance of it being planted in Spring Lane in the first place is that where that's where the boxing club started originally in 1916 yes. and then joined there by the Glen Rovers Hurling Club. Yes. Which, and the Glen Boxing Club was there for over 50 years until 1966. So for the 100-year anniversary, we did a whole load of celebrations, including civic receptions, a parade in Bishop Lucy Park, the Tomasin Carton concert, and the planting of a maple tree. Yes. Which symbolises strength, endurance and protection. Now, that was planted on the 26th of June in 2016 by the Lord Mayor Chris O'Leary. Yeah. It was donated to us by Stephen Scully from the Cork City Council. Yes. Now, it was very appropriate that it was the first Sinsay lead um, uh, Lord Mayor since Tomás McCartan and Tomás McSweeney. Yes. Sorry, no, I'm nervous. You're okay. Um, so, as I was walking down Spring Lane last Friday, the tree was gone. And then I found it, chopped down and laid on one of the benches. So it's just disgusting behaviour. Just just chopped down with a hatchet or something, was it? Chopped down with a hatchet from the base and laid on the seat. It wasn't even taken away, so I don't think it was for bonfire night. It was just pure vandalism. Oh, Lord. And 
do, I mean, it's it's an act of vandalism, it's an act of criminal damage. Are the guards investigating? Um, I don't think anybody's gone into the guards yet. Um, there's no cameras or anything around there, you know. Yeah. It's just it's just very disgusting to think that. I mean, the Northside people are so proud of their area. Yeah. But there's always going to be one or two gurriers that will do something like this. Senseless behaviour. And there's such a huge support, Clodagh, for, for boxing in general, but for the Glen Boxing Club in particular. Absolutely. We've about 25 to 30 boxers. We've 120 members. We've a, ki- a kids keep fit class, class every Wednesday. Then you've got the Glen Rovers doing their best, you know. So it's we're a very proud community. Yeah. And then for something like this to happen for absolutely no sense whatsoever. No sense at all. There's not much you can do. It's it, it, it's it's not like you can rebuild it. It's not a wall. You know, it's it's not like you can rebuild it. It's not. No, we're hoping to erect another tree. Okay. But unfortunately, we'd have to put bars or a cage around it. And I mean, that's a sad day when you have to cage a tree. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And it happened, just remind me again, I missed the day. It happened on what night? Um, Friday morning when I was walking. Early Friday morning, so Thursday night. I noticed that the tree was gone, so it was Thursday night. Thursday night, okay. Clodagh, you you say it's not been reported to the guards yet. I'd still recommend reporting it. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that on board, yes. I'd still recommend reporting it. You know, it's an act of vandalism. It's an act of criminal damage. Your property has been damaged. Yes, and for anyone that's listening that has any information, they could kindly pass it on. And for anyone that's listening that had anything to do with it, shame on you. That's all, really all I have to say. We try to make our community a nice place and be proud of it. And then this is what happens, you know. Clodagh, thank you for your call. And my regards to everyone in the Glen Boxing Club. Fine establishment, fine organisation. That's just pure and simple tuggery. Pure tuggery. To put down a beautiful tree like that. And, uh, for for kicks, like just for kicks. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on the rescues in West and East Cork. Can we thank all the people on board the Crossaven RNLI who attended the Ballycotton tragedy yesterday? They were all very shaken. It's unbelievable what they go through for a voluntary service. Ain't that the truth? All of the people in lifeboats are voluntary. They're local community volunteers who get the call, jump in the boat, do what they can for free. Never see a cent for it. And thank you to all of them for their service yesterday, both in West and in East Cork. On proposals, speaking of beaches, on proposals, John said, I had an ex and she had a favourite beach. On the day she got married to someone else, I went down to that beach at the exact time she was due to walk up the aisle and I stayed there for an hour or two to bring the curtain down on our relationship and I have never been back there since. Thank you, John. 0818 96 96 96 on... Yeah, could you please tell Mr Coogan... I don't know if there's any Mr Coogan here, but PJ will do fine. Thank you very much. Please correct the fees of D Forbes and Kevin Backhurst. There are 306... Plus expenses like pension, phone, computer, sick pay. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, 306k basic salary, I should have said. Uh, I'd also like to say that no one has questioned about how appropriate it is to have Kevin Backhurst immediately moving into the position when he was working in RT in a senior position during this period. Not suggesting he did anything wrong, 
but it would be normal to put in an interim chairman, surely, to remove any bad optics. Thank you for that point. Well made and well noted. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 396. Holiday. This is the time when all of us who sent forward qualifiers wonder, will it be one of ours? We had 10 people go forward over the last two weeks to the draw from the opinion line. Will it be one of ours? We'll find out around about half past one today. 0818 96 96 The number of the text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96 m. .ie. To stay with the subject of the water and the coastline and beaches and all of those things and safety in particular, joined briefly by Eddie English of Sail Cork. And beaches are busy, Eddie. The water is full of swimmers and sailors and surfers and paddle boarders. The water's warmer than it's been for, for quite some time in, in the month of June. It all attracts people in. So we need to be extremely careful everywhere, do we not? Good morning. Good morning, how are you? Very well. Um, okay, well, you know, whether you're in the water, on the water, or under the water, it's a different environment and we have to take care. Um, and especially, as you say, seeing as the temperature is up and the water temperature is up and everybody wants to cool down and relax uh, in the water or on the water. The harbour was jammed with various types of craft backwards and forwards. But, you know, there is a sort of a, a protocol, there is an etiquette that we must be careful near the water and we must respect the sea. And that's vitally important. Swimmers have to be aware of where they're swimming and they should be able to swim if they're going to be swimming in the sea. Be aware that you get a lot colder in the water and you get a lot colder on the water if if there's... Um, if there's a lot of cloud there or whatever, it cools down fairly quickly. And the other thing a lot of people don't think of is people can end up getting sunstroke uh, if they're not looked after, if they're on the water, because the water reflects mm. the sunlight. Yes. Um, but most of all, the sea is a challenging environment. And if the wind is up, it does make a huge, huge difference. And you know, you have to operate in an area that's suitable for what you're doing. Because we've so many different water sports out there now and people can enjoy uh, our amazing coastline on the south coast of Ireland. Um, We should be able to take care and go to the right places. And we should have the right background as well. You know, um, there are a number of establishments like ourselves for teaching people sailing, power boating and the various other water sports that are available mm. um, it is important that people uh, are educated and know what to do and know what to do if something goes wrong is the important thing The temptation is always there to just give it a go you would very much advise against 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it, you know, it's a different environment, and the thing is that there are so many different facets to it, and so many different things, you know. And the thing is that depending on the shelter you have, in whatever location you're in, things change fair, fair, fairly quickly. And you know, you must understand how to get a proper weather forecast before going afloat, how to get kitted, how to wear the right safety gear, including life jacket, buoyancy aid, etc., keeping warm enough out there. And then <laughs> the skill in driving the craft, whether it's a stand-up paddleboard, whether it's a sailing dinghy, or whether it's a powerboat, there's a learning process involved in learning to drive those things. And, you know, we, ha- we, we have to be safe. And powerboats, um, especially with the sort of speed they can achieve, they can be very, very dangerous if we don't know how to handle them and look after ourselves driving boats on the water. Local knowledge is important, Eddie, isn't it? And particularly if you don't know the area, talk to someone before you go near the water. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm just with a class at, at the moment now where I'm training these uh, young lads to become dinghy sailing instructors and we're just finished a section and talking about the tide and the strength of the tide and our base in East Ferry is very very beautiful it's a lovely place but the tide is very very strong up to three knots so we have to be aware of that and we have to know what to do in terms of being safe near tide of that strength um, so the tide and the wind are the two main factors but we have to be aware of them yeah. And the sea, and you've spent your life on the sea, the sea can be merciless in seconds. Absolutely. You know, um, we must get a weather forecast. Um, you know, you just gave a weather forecast there, you know, uh, and that's really important that people are attuned into that. And I suppose the most important thing in the weather forecast is the strength of the wind uh, and the direction of the wind and people should know that there are certain places not really suitable for going afloat if the wind is from a certain direction. So weather forecast and knowing about the tides before we go afloat is is vitally important. Small boats, paddle boards, they can they can be out of control in in a matter of mere seconds. And for swimmers, Eddie, stay between those yellow and red flags, so important because in there at least you watched and at least someone has an eye as to what the conditions are like. Yeah, no, like we professional lifeguards, the county council do a very good job in providing that service in certain areas and they're the beaches to go to. You're being watched, you're being looked after. That's of vital importance. Mm. Might I ask you, lastly, while you're at it, you're also a man who keeps a very good eye on the weather. It's gone a bit of Guinness the last couple of days. Um, it's hard to know from the models or the apps that are out there what's going to happen. Um, is the summer coming back or have we had it? Well, you know what we have at the moment isn't too bad. No, it's not, okay. to be fair. You know, the, like the, the, there's high pressure to the south of us and... There is low pressure up there to the north and we're going to feel that tomorrow, I think, is going to be a day where we're going to see um, a a low pressure system go past and that will bring cloud and maybe some rain. Um, Temperature will be pretty okay, but and then it heals itself a bit more uh, during the week. Not going to be as good as it was early last week and the week before. Mm. But... uh, this is good enough as well, what we have now you know at the what? moment. You're, you're, you're not wrong, Eddie. You're not wrong. We've seen an awful lot worse 
uh, oh. beginning and middle of June's than we've had, I can tell you. Yeah, we have. We have, you know, and okay, we're touching into July and it's not as good as it was at the start of June, but uh, it's good enough. <laughs> you know, the temperatures are up there and they're they're touching the 20 degrees in parts of the country, which is great. It's very pleasant. Thank you. And uh, safe sailing. And uh, be safe on the water. Eddie English of Sail Cork. 0818969696. I was trying to gauge over the weekend where the weather might be going. Um, I had cause to contact uh, Alan O'Reilly myself on Friday evening to see if we might get a weather forecast for ourselves for the Besborough event yesterday. And he was actually spot on. He told me that there was an improvement coming yesterday afternoon, but that we couldn't rule out the possibility of a shower. And we did. We got a shower or two during the event. It didn't last more than a couple of minutes at a time, but we did get a shower or two. Alan has been trying to predict what's happening for the start of July, and he is struggling at this stage. I was looking at Carla Weather again this morning, and he has two sets of maps, he has two sets of models, he has two sets of, 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 of what might happen in the next few days, and he's making no predictions just now. There is some seriously good summer weather south of us. Whether it makes its way up here, uh, you can't tell just yet. But as Eddie said, come on, we've had a fabulous month of June, and it's still nice out there. Eddie's right. We should remember we are still in Ireland. After all, 0818 96 96 96. Let me clear up a few more of these comments to do with RTE and the things that are happening there. Michael Moriarty says, Hi lads, I think the resignation of D Forbes should not be accepted. And I also feel we the public are allowing the government once again to stand back and avoid responsibility. The government appoints the top executives of RTE and therefore must be held responsible or accountable for any perceived failures. Once again, government ministers wring their hands and say all the right things, but step back from responsibility. And actually, Eamon Dunphy is writing in the Star today, and I think he has done his an episode of his podcast, The Stand, over the weekend about this, and he's called it a grubby little deal. And he is saying that the minister involved, Catherine Martin, minister for the arts, either she sorts it out and figure out what figures out what was going on and when, and who knew what, and when. And if she can't figure that out, then he he reckons she should resign. The only reason people pay their TV licence is the fear of all the threatening letters from court. I mean, if I'm overpaid by my workplace, by God, they deduct the overpayment in the next check. Did Ryan Tuberty know this was coming? Is that the reason he quit? I can't come on as I have a sick kid. Thank you, Aaron. Um, everything seems to have happened timing-wise, at an awful time. Dee Forbes announced that she was stepping down in March, that she'd be stepping down in the summer. Then Ryan Tuberty announced in March that he would be leaving the Late Late Show at the end of May. And it was around the same time in March that some auditor was looking at the books and said, come here, Oi, what's, what, what's that? Trust me, I said this earlier on, you never want. I was chatting to someone over the weekend who has to deal with auditors quite frequently. You never, ever, ever want an auditor going, come here. <laughs> What's that? But that's what happened. It's important to distinguish between management and staff, says Kevin. Good point, Kevin. Uh, the, you have to imagine they're furious at all being tarred with the same brush. And here's another point. 
Oh, PJ, Stafford RT are falling over themselves. There are way too many of them. All you have to do is listen to their mentions at the end of the show. Producers, researchers, broadcast assistants, series producers. My God, how many people do you need? Look at Ray Darcy. He plays a couple of songs, does one big interview and a bit of waffling. And he has a massive team behind him producing it all. The staff must be sitting on their hands, bored out of their heads, says Kate. Do you know what, Kate? It gives me an opportunity to say that this show is put together five mornings a week, every week, by three people. Me and Fergal and Emer. And trust me, when we listen to people signing off at the end of talk shows and reeling off five, six and seven names, we go, lads, what we couldn't do with resources like that. So you're right, Kate. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cause 96 FM. Do you know who really must feel it in the wake of discussion like the vast amounts of money being thrown around hither, tither and yon, as the old saying used to go, about for Ryan Cubbery's wages and money being pushed around here and shoved around there and 75,000 here and 20,000 there and 325,000 over a period. Do you know who must, it must really get on the nerves of? It's people like the relatives of the people at Beaumont Nursing Home. Uh, they went to the Leinster House last week. We spoke to, to Rosie about how the campaign is going. We've spoken previously to John Murphy and he joins me again. Just to, before we ask how it's going and, and what developments there might be, John, it must be infuriating to hear of these vast amounts of money being pushed around RTE and yet you can't get a couple of quid to look after your dad. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks again for having us on. Um, yes, it is extremely frustrating. Um, we uh, we had a busy week last week. We went to Leinster House. Uh, we have great support from Padder Tobin and Fairness, and now from David Colnan, uh, who is a spokesperson for uh, uh, Care Homes in um, in Sinn Fein. Um, but like since I've last spoken to you, we had a kind of token meeting with Minister Butler, but really that didn't go anywhere. Mm. Um, we we had a very, very good protest where uh, uh, caregivers, or sorry, care homes gave, uh, representing 5,000 nursing home beds, overnight 5,000 nursing home beds, joined with us outside Leinster House. Um, but the process is still dragging and like, the, the system is obviously broken as far as most people can see, but the politicians don't mm. seem to want to accept this. Did you have a meeting um, with Michael McGrath? We did. We had a meeting. Six representatives had a meeting with Michael McGrath Saturday night in, in Carrigaline, and we spent an hour with him going through the situation. Uh, now, really, he's gone away with uh, looking into certain points for us but he's, but you know, there's, there's nothing. I think we made some progress, but we, we can't say we did or we didn't, you know. Mm. But his aim is and his hope is to keep the Fair Deal residents in BRC and believes it's possible to do so. But again, we have no guarantee. Uh, but we started that meeting with um, a group of people, uh, and we had some videos from previous uh, care homes where people had to move. 
and we got through three we got through two of the th- four of them and we just couldn't watch any more they were just so upsetting so we just said to the minister minister you know this is what we're facing and this is this is what our biggest concern is you know this has to be addressed yeah yeah this but but I, it's terrible pj that you have to go to that length like we just don't understand like the simple points here any care home in Cork, if it was lifted to Dublin, would get €200 Euros more per week extra per person, right? right? But in Cork, it doesn't. Now, the NTPF can't and uh, aren't explaining why that is. Um, and there's three care homes, uh, like St. Luke's, for example, gets €280 Euros more than Care Choice for every person every week. Um uh, St. Joseph's gets 1,355. Like, these are all on very, very good rates. But for some reason, they're the only four in Cork that get a decent rate. The rest of them are on the 1085 rate. Which isn't, is isn't it a simple question requiring a simple answer as to why everybody doesn't get the same? Yes. Well, we asked, We one of the, like, one of the excuses the government give us is they say, oh, the HSE gets more, like they get 730 more on average. But but we, we just said, they, they keep saying to us, well, you know, they get that because they have very complex cases. But one of the ladies at our meeting with us, his uh, her mother, I think, had a very complex, it was a very complex case, and it's been dealt with in Beaumont for 1085. You know, so... Um, let's just say they had no answer for that one. There's a lot of questions that we've asked that just get no answer. But like, but basically, we have 40,000 beds uh, required by the SRI say we need 40,000 beds by the year 2030. We have 20,000 beds now and we're going backwards. Um, so like there's a severe crisis looming and they just think that the companies are making too much money. <laughs> You know, it's ridiculous. Mm. The they're NTPF, not, have you managed to sit and have you managed to even identify who these people are yet? Because I know you and I spoke before about how this yes. seemingly faceless yeah. body that you can't meet. Yeah, see, they're protected under legislation. They operate under this legislation. And what Minister Butler told us when we had the meeting with her was that we had to respect the NTPF and the negotiations with Care Choice and that they had to go through the system that they couldn't kind of sidetrack or put money in or whatever. But we just said both to her and the Minister for Finance, but what if the system is broken? What do you do then? So the Minister for Finance told us that the NTPF can ask for more money. But I've asked, have the NTF asked for more money, uh, NTPF, and uh, I don't think they have. So, you know, it's ridiculous. Um, They're penny-pinching on everything. Uh, The the coffers of the government, I think they have, what, 56 billion or whatever uh, surplus. Like, the people in the industry reckon that a one-off payment of 120 million into the fair deal would stabilise it Mm. and then uh, stop this chaos from continuing to happen. You also had Stephen Donnelly throwing in his tuppence worth where he he had a pop-off of care choice. There's a constant sort of a political standing away from it here and they all seem to be saying, I don't know if Michael McGrath said this when he met you the other night, but this kind of thing, well, it's between Care Choice and the NTPTF, and we can't get yeah. involved. Yes, and we, we were asking both of them. We said, why can't you get involved? If the system is broken, 
Like, what are you going to do? Leave everything fail and everything collapse and then realize, oh, the NTPF aren't doing their job. Um, we said it wasn't uh, fit for a democracy. You know, that's a certain group of people, kind of closeted people that uh, operate under this legislation more or less secretly. They can't discuss any cases with you, so you can't get any feedback. Um, we were also, when we were in with Mary Butler, we were told that the NTPF were in constant contact with Care Choice, but they're not. So what we believe is there's tactics going on there that are trying to separate us from Care Choice. But to be honest with you, we're not Care Choice fans or anything like that, but we, we have been ably informed from day one from Care Choice, from Stuart Murphy, whereas we're begging everybody else in government to listen to us, yeah. other than Pater Tobin and now David Colnan. If I was to ask you, know, you, John, of all the players in this that you've spoken to, you've been speaking to the people at Care Choice, you've been trying to talk to the NTPTF without avail. Uh, Mary yes. Butler, like you said, that meeting was, was, was worse than useless. You've met Simon yeah. Coveney. It was you've a met token Michael. meeting. Yeah. yeah. It seems to me my reading of it is that the only people actually telling you anything you can use is care choice. Yes. And, you know, what, like they're looking at things for care choice as business. Uh, and like, I can't repeat them, obviously, but it, they're just so silly. It's unreal. You know, they're penny pinching when they're looking at the accounts and they're not looking at the bigger picture. Like what about all like a silver light? Like, um, I think they're called, they were on the uh, newspapers on uh, Silver Stream, sorry. They're going to halt investment into the nursing home sector, uh, which was on the Independent either Saturday or yesterday. So like there's all, uh, Apparee is in receivership, 500 beds at risk uh, around the country, 200 in Cork. So like we're saying to the Minister for Finance, can you not see <laughs> that there's a problem here, you know? Mm. We shouldn't be involved in this. We we should be at home enjoying our Saturday night. Um, we shouldn't be there fighting so that we don't end up with our loved ones being uh, thrown out of a care home because the government won't give them enough money. Yeah. We'll have to see how it goes. John, thank you very much. And of course, regards, as always, to your dad, who's one of the relatives uh, at the age of uh, 99, one of, the, one of the residents of Beaumont Nursing Home. It is just, it's, look, it's, it's, at the risk of repeating myself, Mary Butler walked away from Onakura, and now she's walking away from this. Um, politicians don't seem to want to get their hands dirty in here with this. And maybe Eamon Dunphy's right, you know, in the Star, writing about the RTE situation. Maybe Catherine Martin needs to actually get up there and be a minister and be one of the people running the country rather than standing back and going like Mary Butler is doing, which, by the way, and I, I'd love to talk to her and I'd love to ask her why she does nothing. Why by saying, well, actually, there's nothing, that's nothing to do with me. You're the minister for the elderly minister in case you need to check your job description. These are elderly people, so they're under your care and you say you can't do anything for them. Yeah. The same crack with them. Um, the same crack with Onakura. She was in charge of that too. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Make you're very kind. You're very kind. Talking about the staff in RTE, and I mentioned that there's only three of us here. And we still managed to put fifteen hours of content a week uh, together. Um, 
There might be only three of you, but by God, you're miles ahead of RTE. You could go in there and sort them out. Says Mick. Mick? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Karen was back with a proposal. We were chatting about the proposal that happened on, was it Friday night, the Code Line gig? And we they rang us up. It was great. On the 31st of April 2021, I got proposed to in the height of lockdown in my sitting room. It was the weekend of my 30th. My other half was doing his best all day to keep me sweet so I wouldn't suspect anything. He told my parents and his family and my best friends he was going to propose at 7 o'clock. Fast forward to 7 and we're sitting in the car park of McDonald's eating Big Mac meals. And I decided I want to run into town to go to Bradley's to buy a cocktail mixture I couldn't get anywhere else. We got home around 9. Then I decided I wanted to wash and blow dry my hair, do a tan and all the bits and bobs ahead of my birthday. He called me into the sitting room and started giving me my birthday presents one by one. There's me, well, <laughs> messed up with tan, hair up in a towel, old pyjamas on, not a clue. On the last present, a pair of earrings, he said, and this will go nicely with them. I turned around and he was down on one knee. This was 11 o'clock. Our families thought we were after having an argument or, or I had said no as they were still expecting it to happen at seven, says Karen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, one night. McDonald's. I mean, think of your lockdown memories. A night, remember that? A night out in lockdown, there's nothing open. McDonald's takeaway and a couple of cans or bottles from the off-license. Good Lord, that was a great night. That was a great night in, or a great night anyway. <laughs> 0818 96 96 96. Let us know about your proposal. Particularly, do you know what? Let's do that for a bit. Because this time, three years ago, what are we now, June? We were just starting to open up again. We were looking at the, was it, Fergal, you'll remember this better than I. The 29th of June, I think, 2020, was when the pubs began to open up again. And you had to have, you had to have your dinner. So you could have a point. And there was the whole substantial meal crack. That is what it was. And look, we're not going back to that old argument. But the pubs were opening up again and you had to book for a point. We were never more organised in our entire lives. But there was... Anyone else get proposed to during lockdown? Um, Oh, and yeah, anyone else have a total nightmare? Or one that was completely over the top. 083 396 96 96. Be good if we could find the wildest one of all time during the course of the week. And that is because so many people get engaged in, in the summer. We had one in Codeline the other night. We had one in Glastonbury over the weekend. And let's see. And we were talking to Chloe about how Declan proposed to her with a drone. I mean, give over here. Uh, not so much down on one knee as up at 1,000 feet proposing to her by drone let's find the maddest, craziest, daftest one and we we do it today or we do it tomorrow we mention it every day, let's try and find a really crazy one this week 0818 96 96 96 083 396 96 96 or you can email opinion at 96fm.ie there was a wolf or what we think was a wolf prowling around Cork 
for most of the weekend. The missus sent me this clip from one of the notice boards. I think it was Bannon Hassig notice board on Facebook. She sent me this screenshot on, was it Saturday? Can't remember which. But she said, look at that, look at that, look at that. Uh, there was a, a, what, what looked like, and I said, that, that's got to be just a husky. Surely it's just a husky. But it's still out there. Ivan Rumley, who runs Rumley's farm in Waterfall, said he is a Czech wolf dog, a crossbreed to act. Originally, they were bred for border control and search and rescue, but that he is a very safe dog. He's called Axel, very shy, very quiet, very gentle, very intelligent, and no danger. Uh, he's spooked and he might run away. Let's see if we can shed some more light on it in just a sec. Oh, wait, 1-8-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. So, Charlie O'Brien, do you have this dog? Morning. How are things? How are you? Very good. Do you have him? Uh, I did last uh, last two nights. I let him go there not so long ago, though, because uh, I saw it was the half-chest dog, the half-wolf. Yeah. So I just uh, threw the lead on and the collar. I strolled away over it, and then um, I saw it in on the, the Facebook. So then I was like, oh, I can't really have a wolf, you know, in my garden. Right? So then um, I just decided then the best thing to do was just so I don't guess hurt or anyone else. I just... Let it go and just let it go what I want to do. Do you know what I mean? Where, where did you find him? Uh, on the road back road to Ward's Caroline. It wasn't anywhere near Balanhasig. He was kind of like, you know, the, the white horse there. I do. Ballet. I do. Yeah, he was just walking down that road. So I was like, I just thought it was a dog and I just wanted to do the best thing for it. Like. Right, and you happened, did you have a, you didn't happen to have a collar and lead with you, did you? I had always taken my dog from my buddies, so I had everything on me, so it was just perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Like and, and, and he let you put it on him, no problem? Uh, there was a bit of a problem with the stair, but, you know, I kind of tamed him. Like, I'd be good with dogs, that kind of way. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of just walked up and just and you put walked, my hand down. You, like, you, you walked him home? I walked him home then, yeah. Okay. So, and, and you've left him go again now, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard it was a wolf then. I, took, I was taking no chances, sure. I, was, I just got a fright. Yeah, because seeing as he had been sort of calm and safe and quiet around I you, I thought it was a dog, like so. Do you know what I mean? Well, he I is a dog. He is a oh, dog. Yeah. He's 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 called a Czech wolf dog, according to Rumley's farm, which is where he's from. Um, he's a crossbreed. It's called a Czech wolf dog, uh, crossed between a German Shepherd and a grey wolf. They were originally bred to act as search and rescue dogs and border patrol dogs. His name is Axel, and he's a very quiet, shy fella who, yeah, they, enough, say, right? who they say pose no danger. Did he seem to be used to people? Uh, he was he was a bit nervous coming up at first, but I just put that down if it was my first time seeing him, or it was his first time seeing me. Yes. So I kind of just went over with a bit of, a bit of care, like... Right. And, and he uh, didn't growl at you or bark at you? No, he kind of just kind of... Went up kind of into a ball, kind of, you know, when they kind of do that, like he was a bit nervous. Okay. So I just kind of put my hand there, walked over as slow as I can. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right. So I thought it was, and then um, I just threw the lead on, walked home, but like, you know, it looked like a dog to me, but if it could have been, if it was a young fella, like, and the dog 
it would have it could have been him or anything else, you know. I was only doing the best thing for everyone. I know, uh, listen, Charlie, no, no, no. Um, you don't have any idea where he is now, like, do you? Oh, have an ocean? No. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. if you should happen to see him again, and yeah. he, he is an intelligent dog, he'll recognise you as someone who tried to help him. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. you feed him at any stage? I gave uh, yeah, a bit of dry nuts and water. Okay. Yeah. His name, if you should happen to see him around again, his name is Axel. I called him Wayne myself, so he'd probably be used to Wayne now at this stage. Well, whatever. But, yeah, uh, if you should happen to see... And, and give Rumley's farm a ring, I would suggest. Yeah, and they got on to me there during, during the weekend, and I only saw us there this morning. But right. uh, Troy was going on the radio, so the whole of Cork might be listening, so if well, they want to get in touch, they can. All right, fair enough. Charlie, thank you very much for that. Um, he's a beautiful dog, but you would be half afraid of him if you think you hear Czech wolf dog. But according to the people at Romley's, he's not dangerous to anybody. And obviously, Charlie knew what he was doing. He was able to approach him and get a get a collar and a lead on him and ring him home. But then he heard there was a wolf on the loose, so he let him go again. OK, thank you, Charlie. 0818 96 96 96. Some wonderful news to finish the day. Well, we got this news last week. And I wanted to get a chance to talk to Ashling Lynch. Uh, you remember Ashling? She was with us on Radiothon. She was telling us about her cancer journey. She discovered something. She was, it wasn't a lump, it was just something that didn't feel right in her breast last year. And she did what we're all told to do when you feel something isn't right, some part of your body, go and ask your doctor. And sure enough, it was cancer. And when I spoke to her in May, she had come through one course of treatment and was waiting on surgery. Let's have a quick reminder of that conversation on Radiothon in May. The first lot of chemo I did get, it did take a lot out of me. could barely kind of... Stand, foggy brain, you... Weird thrown up. I did once or twice, yeah. Um, a lot, on a lot of steroids, you're on a lot of anti-sickness, you have special mouthwash. Then I'd done those four weeks of treatment, which would have been the toughest, and I went on to a later farm then. Mm. So it was 16 weeks then, and that only stopped two weeks ago. You've, now you have a next step, you're, you have surgery coming up, another adventure. I do. What are they doing? They will be removing my left breast, taking it away completely and reconstructing. Are there times, Ashling, in the last few months where you've been frightened, you know, of what might happen? Yeah, that's that's only after happening in the past week or two now. I'm really? kind of, yeah. It's the unknown. I do get my days now where I t- overthink, not, overthink yeah. and wonder, is this, is it like, is it going to come back? Do you know? I don't know. I shouldn't be thinking that way. You've got the surgery in June. We wish you luck with that. Yeah, start of June, hopefully. What's the dream for this time next year, if we were to be talking again? The dream is to be clear and just don't have to think about appointments and just be able to live normal. Ashling, morning. Good morning. Great news. Oh, Brilliant. Oh, I just never felt so happy. <laughs> I'm relieved. You had your surgery when? First of June? Uh, the first of June. I had it there. So I was operated for five hours and I was in recovery then for four. 
Um, and I was in hospital for three days. Mm-hmm. So I had a mastectomy on my left boob and it went excellent. The chemotherapy melted everything away. By the time they went in, they said there was nothing even there. They normally have to still send it away, you know, to be tested and stuff. And my nurse, um, Norma Dowling, she's been brilliant, rang me and she said, it's all clear and I didn't need no radium. Stop there a second. You had the surgery and you would have been expecting then for radiotherapy. For radiotherapy. That's the last stage. You don't need any. Don't need none. I was like, she she was amazed herself. She was like, Ashling, I am so happy for you. She was like, not not a lot of people would get that kind of news. To remind people, Ashling, you just felt there was something wasn't right. Uh, and you went yeah. to the doctor and you were a couple of days short of your 30th birthday when they found the cancer. You had the chemotherapy. That was tough. Christmas was tough. You lost your hair. All of this. The surgery was to be early this month and that would normally be followed by radiotherapy and you're done and dusted, you're cured, you're clear. It still didn't hit me, I'd say. Did you cry? No, and you know, and, and I didn't cry either, you know, when I was sitting down to be brought in to the theatre. I was just sitting there, I was just calm. I See, what it was is a friend of mine told me a couple of months ago to imagine that it's gone out of your body already when I was going through the chemotherapy. The chemotherapy was very tough. It was. Yeah. Remember you telling me for Radiothon you lost the hair and you had to get it shaved off and did it in the kitchen? Did it in the kitchen with the three kids, my my own daughter, Ria, and my sister's two youngest, um, Alfie and Avery. Yeah. They, the three of them got a... <laughs> They got a turn each to... We were laughing. My mum and dad were in the kitchen. My sister was there. We were laughing. I was trying to hold on to each strand. Then <laughs> I, eventually I had to be shaved. I know. Is, I'm sure what I was grand about it. Is then it all grown back now? It is. It's all the sides now are actually thick now. I'm just waiting out for the top. I just... Do you know what? I'm actually going around now without the hats because right, I'm nice. leaving the sun with the weather now when... You know, to make a grow. <laughs> yeah, the, the night I met you for Radiothon, you had a, 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 a cover on, a scarf on, and you were That's showing it. me, you're getting ready. I, you, you mentioned little Rhea, um, and she had to go Rhea. through, she was what, seven? And you were talking to me at the time about how tough it was for her and how you were trying to keep, oh, not frighten her, but just tell her that, you know, Mammy had these things to do. Uh, have you told her the I, really good news? I did. It was actually the day I found out myself and my friend Eric, which is our godfather, he'd yeah. been there since day one. He's been brilliant with her. He does everything. He's like family. We were we actually collected her from school and she was in the back of the car and I just turned around to her and I tried to, to explain. Like, she's seven next Thursday now, the 29th. So I'm throwing her a big party now. So it's going to be a nice day. But anyway... I just said, look, Mammy, now is not don't have to go to the hospital anymore to get treatment. Or, you know, I'm saying, look, my boob now is okay. And she was looking at me as if, like, trying to think because she, she's a very good child, you know, and she she understood because she's she's at the age. Yeah, she's more she's a, she's a, she's an advanced child. <laughs> she's had a lot <laughs> of growing up to do in the last twelve months. I suppose. She's two cousins that keep her going. Yeah. <laughs> they keep each other going, and that's who shaved off my hair. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you're all a close family, you see. We're very close. Yeah. I have a lot around me. All my mum, my dad, my sister, my brothers, mm-hmm. my sister-in-law, all my friends that, that I have, the close friends I have, they've been brilliant with me. Anything I've needed, family members have given, you know, all yeah. my aunts, my uncles, they've been so good. I think Rhea's birthday party next week would be kind of your party too, won't it? I th- yeah, no, I'm it's slightly yes. <laughs> I I've a lot of I've a lot of close friends I've I'm inviting and I'm telling them it's in a hall so I said look if you want to have a, I'm having a drink anyway I didn't have a drink in weeks before the surgery and that celebrate girl celebrate because you, you you've had a fantastic fantastic outcome yeah. and come back to where we started with oh, all this Ashling this is because you felt something was up and your message to me then and to now. Yeah. As you said, I had no idea what it was. It just didn't feel right. You'd be saying to anyone now, if it doesn't feel anyone. right, check it out. Go up to your gut. Go up to your gut. When I went to my GP, he even examined me. And that poor man, he said it doesn't feel like anything, but look, I'll refer you. And thank God he did. Thank God he did indeed. Always go up to your gut. And, and that's anyone, man or woman, like under your arms, any lumps at all, or like anything you feel on uh, anything different in your body, get it checked. Ashling, we are absolutely thrilled for you here on the programme. Thanks. Can I just say one thing? I just want to say thanks to the COH over and the Orchid Centre. My oncologist, Seamus O'Reilly, he's been brilliant. He's the one that have set the plan from day one and everything turned out brilliant. So I just want to thank him as well. My surgeon, Mark Corrigan, my plastic surgeon, Justin Tadaji, Nurse Norma and my other nurse, Maeve. They've been brilliant and they've done Manway units that give the chemo to all the patients. They've been unbelievable and I can't thank them enough. Really can't. I'm just on a high now and I'm... Back to normal, thank God. <laughs> Good for you. Have a, have a lovely weekend. Take care. I will. Thanks very much. Isn't it brilliant? Isn't it absolutely great? Every, every year we do Radio Sun stories and there's, there's a follow-on and sometimes they're not great, but this is a brilliant one. She had the surgery on the 1st of June and it's gone so well and the chemo was so good that she doesn't need any radiation. Wouldn't you be thrilled for her and her little girl, Rhea? That's Ashley. 0818 96 96 96. Reminded to you lastly that uh, Cork's 96 My Opinion Line is proudly associated with the official media partner for the National Menopause Summit in Cork, advocating for change, which is on Friday, October 20th. A fabulous lineup and the beautiful surroundings of City Hall, packed agenda, knowledge, advice, support, and content. If you would like to go on Friday 20th to the National Menopause Summit, a pair of tickets for you. Tell me who this is. You notice a lot of changes. I can feel the hormonal shifts happening, the sweating, the moods, you know, you're just like all of a sudden furious for no reason. Her name and yours to 0833969696. That is it. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry, who between them do the work of 10 people. And we shall talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM.